And we are live, baby. Uh, this is our third episode already. Um, happy to reach, reach this milestone already. We got another special guest on here from the first episode. My brother, Jared. Yeah, that's right. I'm here. Popular demand. They got two episodes and they're like, bring him back. Bring back the big guy. We need the big guns on this one. Uh, so what are we drinking tonight, Jared? Just the intro. I'm doing some Goldschlager. And like I said, it's America's favorite lager. I'm sipping on a little, let's see, strawberry lemonade, truly. Hell yeah. We like to kind of introduce where we're drinking for the Sarva shows. Um, Basically to get you guys to start drinking and make this sound more interesting. Yeah, let's yeah. get some drinks going for you guys. Yeah. Um, today our topic um, is going to be over stoicism. It's a uh, ideology that Brother Jared uh, mentions that we should talk about and something I didn't know about. So I actually did a lot of research on it and learned a lot. So we're here to share that with you guys today. Um, we took our own kind of little notes on it. Um, he already knew a lot about it before, but I had to do a lot of note taking. So um, let's get into this. Yeah. So maybe the real question is why stoicism? Why should we get into this? Why this topic? Uh, so I believe this ideology, I don't know if you guys know a lot about it, but I think it plays a huge role in like modern day uh, mental health stuff that we can use today to kind of use in our day-to-day um, virtual being virtuous and mindfulness of day-to-day activities and um, kind of focusing on being in the moment and appreciating everything. Um, it's taught me a lot actually just researching it and actually relates to me a lot, like stuff I already was doing. And I'm like, oh, wow, like I can actually relate to stoicism because I do a lot of this on my own before I even knew about it. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to be cool to talk about it um, and just educate you guys on it. So. What a fucking hipster thing to say. It was, I was doing it before. It was yeah, cool. I was doing it before it was cool, man. Um, yeah, so the why, like, you know, living a good life, that's essentially what stoicism is. It's, it's, a, it's a virtue ethic that is, like, um, living a good life and creating self-actualization and achieving happiness. Um, and that's, that's really what it is. And we'll get into a lot of the, the nitty gritty and, and the false misconceptions about what stoicism is. But for me, that's what intrigued me about it. And I, you know, I figured, you know, I love talking about this stuff to people and sometimes I don't have an outlet. So this is like a great way to get that out there. Yeah. It's like an educational piece. Um, so we'll just be bouncing off each other with what we know about it. Um, so starting into it, um, it's funny because it's actually known as, I looked into it and it's actually known as broicism, broicism. We'll t- watch touch on that later about kind of how that's like people modern day talk about like, oh, you have no emotions, you're cold hearted. So we'll talk in that uh, about that later. But that kind of formulated the name today of broicism. I thought that was funny. So I wrote that down. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, anyway, they're going to love that. Um, so, yeah, uh, if you guys don't know, stoicism is a school of philosophy that developed in ancient Greece and the Hellenistic age, uh, about 300 BCE. Founded in Athens uh, by a um, gentleman that went by uh, the Zeno of Citium. And so going on the um, word stoicism, it's a Greek word. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, stoa pokal, pokiel. Um, it's actually known for painted porch. That's actually what it's for in Greek. Um, so that painted porch is why they called that because... Um, Zeno of Citium actually started his school and um, kind of integrated in the community on a painted porch. It was a market in Athens uh, where he actually kind of started his 
connecting with the community, um, talking about the ideology, and then his students would teach out there too. So that's actually the origin of the word, just to throw that out there. Um, I thought that was pretty cool because it was literally a painted porch. Yeah, I was going to say um, with that, uh, I thought it was funny. So like he has this quote, he, so like he was a merchant and a lot of things that they would do was like the shipwreck, right? Like, or, um, or I'm sorry, the, um, they would do a lot of the, um, like, uh, they would go out and try and collect sea snails. Cause that's like what would color the robes, like the King's robes purple. They would just use like shellfish and they would just, it's like a very stren- strenuous process to like excrete the blood of these fucking fish to like dye robes. And Zeno, like, he had shipwrecked himself um, and got to Athens, and he went to the um, uh, the Oracle of Delphi and was like, hey, I need help. And she's like, die yourself not in the blood of shellfish, but of dead men. So then that's how he ended up in Athens. And he had this quote saying before he did that, he's like, I was shipwrecked before I was shipwrecked, essentially. Like, I had no direction at all in life yeah. and until, like, this tragedy happened, which is, like, we can build on, so... That was my only thing I want to interject. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I don't know anything about that. That's why it's cool. We have our both knowledge about it and we're just going to come together and yeah. clash off. Um, so he came, so I believe it was four, he was 42 when he came to Athens. Um, so that's going to be around, like I said, 300 BC, BCE, was it BCE? Or no. BC? Uh, yeah, it was like about 300 BC. That sounds right. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, first came to Athens to study uh, under uh, Crates of Thebes. Uh, by saying that right um the most famous uh cynic at the time mm-hmm. so he kind of came in influenced by him and cynicism is actually a lot like stoicism and we'll get into that yeah for sure so um Crates was i believe the second pupil i'm sorry the first pupil of diogenes and this was a crazy ass guy that lived in a wine barrel that would go around like jacking off and like shitting in the street and just like he had a lantern he'd walk around in the streets and he'd be like i'm trying to find an honest man and that was like he would just like put this lantern up to people. He was like, he was a maniac, but he was a cynic. And that's like, that was his. That's someone you want to have a role model after, right? Yeah. That's, someone like that's who I'd follow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Alexander the Great met him and he's like, uh, he's like, if you had one wish, what would it be? He's like, I'd actually wish for you to get out of my sunlight. And I didn't give a shit about anybody. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was funny. Oh, uh, so um, just, I'm sure you guys are really interested in this, but um, cynicism, uh, cynicism is what this guy kind of was influenced by when he came to Athens. So I want to touch a little bit on cynicism. I wrote some notes down on this. Um, So their kind of ideology was, um, they kind of rejected any conventional notions of happiness involving money, power, fame, anything like that, Um, which is kind of like stoicism. We'll get to that, obviously. Um, So against greed and all that, um, and it's very opposite of like being like optimistic, so it's like kind of the opposite of that. So believing people are motivated by purely by self-interests, um, distrustful of human sincerity and all that stuff. So it's kind of interesting how that actually kind of influenced um, Zeno to kind of take off that and make his own little philosophy school um, based on that, which makes sense because if you look into cynicism, ah, cynicism it's kind of like stoicism, but he has his own kind of spin on that and we'll get into that. So, yeah. So that was cool because, like, what you're talking about, like, uh, there, there, there's a lot of, like, foundational layers, and then they just build off that. And that's what's really cool about, like, as we get into, I'm not sure how deep we're going to go into, like, all the different Stoics, but each person has their own cool twist that they're adding to it, and it keeps layering up, and it keeps, exactly. getting, it keeps getting better. 
and at the time, the, the uh, there was a lot of competition of schools, right? Yes. So what what were the? Yeah. So in that time um, uh, of stoicism, there's other schools that are kind of competitors, and kind of the arch enemy at the time would have been the skeptics. Um, that was kind of where the, a lot of the debates were happening with them. Um, some other ones were uh, Epicureans, uh, obviously the Cynics, Perpetuates. Set so, up. Or, can you say? I don't know that one. Is that the school of Plato, or is that the school yeah, of yeah, it's Aristotle? The, it's uh, yeah, Aristotle. So, okay. um, yeah, so Aristotle made this school. It was the uh, perpetuate. Uh, I can't say this right now. Well, that's okay. <laughs> we know the school. We all we all know it. Everyone's screaming. Peripatetics. Peripatetics. Um. Anyways, so these schools were all kind of going on at once. So it's kind of like they're all competing and sort of a similar trend they were going off of was kind of their own interpretations of um, Socrates. That was kind of where all these branched off of. And it's kind of like a representation of Socrates, but in their own interpretations, which kind of explains religion today, how everything's kind of like based off a of God, but everyone has their own interpretation of that God. So that's kind of what all these schools were at the same time. So you kind of find your uh, niche in, in those uh, schools and kind of what aligns with you. And um, that was what was kind of their competitors. And the goal for all these schools, um, for all philosophy at the time, was it's a word called um, uh, ataraxia. And so this is kind of like the goal for all philosophy at the time. And that kind of translates to tranquility, uh, contentment, happiness, uh, or absence of disturbance or trouble, kind of like the euphoria of all this, right? Um, that's kind of like what everyone's after is adorexia. And that's a Greek word. Um, so in their own ways, I just have, um, so for instance, the Epicureans, their, uh, their kind of model of adorexia is, um, which is the highest good in life for that for that philosophy, uh, for them was pleasure. So the Epicureans was pleasure. So that's kind of just like their most valuable thing in life was pleasure. They're material, materialistic and just very um, surface level when it comes to that kind of stuff. And, um, and the skeptics were another uh, philosophy at the time. Um, and theirs was a little interesting. So, you know, they're the skeptics, you know, skepticism, that's a word we're very familiar with today. Um, um, so for them, it's kind of like no certain knowledge was available to humans. So we're, they were suspended to judgment on anything they know. So realizing we know nothing for certain and only in this state of mind that they would, um, cure ataraxia. It's kind of like, it's kind of weird to explain, but it's almost like they're always debating, right. To kind of find the truth behind stuff. So to them, just to be in that state of like figuring things out and being skeptic about stuff is how they kind of felt joy in their philosophy. It's kind of odd an odd one, but they were kind of an odd philosophy um, for sure. And then the last one, the one I can't pronounce, Aristotle's uh, Peripatites. I think uh, people are going to be roasting. You said Peripatites? Yeah, that's Peripatites. Yeah, there we go. Um, Peripatetics. I, it's hard to pronounce. I don't know. Um, you guys can look it up. Aristotle's school. Um, and so they're Adorexia, their like goal and happiness, true happiness was um, just well-being, being healthy and happy, which 
we're going to go on this about uh, stoicism, how that's a little bit different from them, but um, that's that was their ataraxia. Yeah, and the at the time, so, uh, you know, would have been virtue ethics stemming from the Hellenistic period. It would have been Socrates would have been the, one of the first one really discussing virtue ethics, questioning what's virtuous, what's a virtuous person, what do they do? Um, these schools at the time were really generating this buzz. Everyone was kind of creating their own spinoff of that. I mean, he had come first and everyone wanted to have their um, interpretation of that. And a lot of them at the time were, uh, at the beginning, were talking, especially with the Greek Stoics, uh, before the Romans took over and, and introduced their version of Stoicism. Uh, so the goal, original goal was uh, eudaimonia uh, and virtue was, was, the, was the first goal. And then tranquility eventually said that that came into play of like, hey, you know, we got it pretty fucking good over here. You're chill over here. Come enjoy us in, in our ataraxia party, which sounds like a Xanax party. Um <laughs> And that, so that's, that's how they got more followers. Eventually it was like, okay, we'll, we'll treat you, we'll, we'll, we'll treat you. We'll give you the tools you need to feel at peace and, and give you that tranquility in life. And that's, that eventually, um, you know, superseded that, that virtue ethics, which was at the time very important, but people were like, okay, well, what does this mean to be a virtuous person? I'd rather want to live a tranquil life. And that's kind of where, that's where that competition could, you know, people were talking about that. So that's just something else that took place yeah exactly um and so so Zeno was the founder of this all and obviously as time goes on uh there was some successors of him so the first successor successor of Zeno um was a man a philosopher named uh like again I'm gonna butcher this again but sorry everyone uh Cleanthes 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 yeah um he was the first successor to kind of take over the school when you know Zenos was kind of uh, he actually died from suicide, I believe. That's what I heard when I was researching him. But anyways, the school was built, and it was um, some other teachers kind of took over. But the main one that was the actually considered the greatest of all time, significant head of the school was um, Chrysippus. Um, so he took over after um, Cleanthes, and he was like the um, guy who kind of was uh, almost took credit for Stoicism because he kind of. All the writings and all the books that um, Zeno had actually aren't found today. So uh, Chrysippus actually had over 700 books that he wrote uh, based on Zeno's ideology. And those are actually available today. Like those were found. Um, and the thing, I think that's why he's more known. And fortunately, he kind of takes credit because all of Zeno's writings were just gone. Like no one could find them. And so um, these are the only known writings we have going back to that era and um you know he was also uh Chrysippus was a referred in other people's works and writings so his word got out like major so he really spread stoicism um all across the board um and I don't know I I feel like that was when it really took a turning point um because but he also kind of talked for Zeno he was kind of like talking about his ideology and all that um so Anyways, um, for those of you wondering, um, so we talked about, um, we talked about Socrates. So Plato is another philosopher. He was actually taught by Socrates. So Plato is kind of a, um, runoff from that. And then, um, he, Plato actually taught Aristotle and you guys didn't know. So it's kind of like a trickle effect of like information and they all kind of went in their own little ways. So it's interesting about that. 
And a lot of this was going on at the same time too. There was, yes. it's like like fucking capturing lightning in a bottle at the same time. Like imagine walking around and seeing all these guys. They're all like just at the you know the painted porch, just out there. It's like it's basically like the modern version of of Twitter today. Oh God, yeah, yeah. People just out there espousing their opinion about whatever what they believe in and and what is a what makes a virtuous man and all that. And ultimately, what ended up happening. So uh, getting to like what what stoicism eventually created was a cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT is what it led to. So all of these all these ideas at the time kept compounding. We talked about that earlier: virtue ethics, ataraxia, eudaimonia, uh, living a good life. All this eventually created the framework for what is now known as CBT, which is cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy, and that's just like uh, a cognitive distortion about events that can lead to anxiety, depression, and some of those distortions are like overgeneralization, catastrophizing, all or nothing thinking, and stoicism's real goal for all this at the very beginning was it's not the events in the external world, but it's our reaction to the events. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So that that led the framework eventually to something. I mean, this is over 2,000 years old, and yet it's still relatable today. We'll eventually get into the practices and, and some of the refined techniques that have been developed over the years to be like, okay, well, this is how you can start practicing to live a better life. But it's really cool to know that people were still having these anxiety and depression, all this stuff way back then. You know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And now it's interesting because a lot of the stuff like falls in line with modern day thinking. So stoicism was really big on kind of caring about your own soul before any other opinions matter. So they're not going to take judgment seriously. They're not going to take um, unconstructive criticism, uh, fame, reputation, all that crap meant nothing. And like, say someone called you a bad name. It's almost like, okay, they call me a bad name, but how am I going to um, process that? Right. Is it going to brush right over my shoulder or am I going to deeply, deeply offended? And that's kind of like what they were all about was controlling your reaction controlling your yeah. reactions so like if somebody were to like if you were if you were driving downtown and some bicyclists were to cut you off and perhaps or no maybe it's a car that cuts you off and maybe they flip you off who you know what where the situation is it's about you know do you follow them to their house right <laughs> do you see them walk to their house and say oh so that's where you live <laughs> it's about controlling those urges to not do those things oh, yeah we don't do that uh, yeah <laughs> And it's funny because this is way back in, you know, 300 BC where things are very primitive. And it's funny how this is such a, this was made back then of like controlling your emotions. You know, you hear about all this modern day controlling your emotions, not letting things get to you. But this was being founded way back then. And um, some things about it was, it, it was basically saying like no external thing can hurt our soul but ourselves. So that's basically saying like our per- perception or judgment of a mean thing that is said to us hurts, um, but we are not to care about what is said to us. So it's almost like it's exactly what you were saying about controlling your emotions. Like literally nothing. Like death in the family. Sure, it sucks, but it. it this is why we'll get to this. But this is why stoicism is considered cold-hearted, emotionless because of their ability to maintain their emotion, and that can be misconstrued as emotionless. But the it's actually powerful to be able to have the power to control um, your own emotions on a devastating thing. So, for example, like I said, um, a, a family member dies. So it's like accept things as they come, 
because they are basically the work of nature and God is what they were going after. So there's a quote from Marcus uh, Aurelius. Um, he's a, actually a Roman uh, in the R Roman Empire time uh, philosopher for Stoicism. And he has a lot of quotes. So a quote of his is, accept humbly, let go easily. So it's almost like saying kind of like, okay, good things can happen to me. I can feel happy. I can feel joyous. But know that that can go at any time and I'll be okay with that. And know that pain and suffering will come at any time and I'll also be okay with that. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, okay, I'm happy, feeling good now, but that can go at any time and I'm going to be ready for that. Yeah. You know, there's a good quote I like. It's um, it's actually kind of a combination of a couple. I believe it's between Marcus Aurelius and Epictetus. It's that universe has changed and life is opinion. Mm. The universe keeps changing and it's really our opinion about these external events that shapes us and defines us. No, I like I like I like that one a lot. But yeah. you were talking about um, you were also t you're you're briefly touching on like false assumptions earlier about stoicism. Do you want to get into some of those? Well, false yeah, false assumptions. I like mean, I mean in terms of like what people believe like lowercase s stoicism is. Like when people hear stoicism, they think, you know, everything that it's not really. Ultimately, did you want to dive into that? Yeah, um, more so just on the fact that. It's just, it's so misconstrued because, I mean, even today in modern society, people have a good control on their emotions, like often, you know, are considered harless or truly. So he's truly having a truly moment right now. He's <laughs> drinking truly, getting that rice in a girl. Yeah. But the fact that people, it's it's unfortunate that people are kind of considered cold, heartless, emotionless when they when they have such control of their emotions where they don't let things get to them where they're going to react or they're going to get angry when someone cuts them off going to work or, you know, a, a girlfriend leaves them. It's like, okay, it's like, okay, um, pretty much everything. So there's a, there's a thing from Stoicism where it's kind of like they believed in everything was preemptive. So everything God had already aligned for them, and the second that that it came for them, they were to accept it because everything was premeditated almost. Yeah, and it's a weird way of thinking, but if you really think about nature and God, they so they thought everything was one. Yeah, like so, logos, literally, like logos. Yeah, you know, I am one. A plant is one. We are all one, and it's it's God's control and nature's control. And it's like if my mom dies, that was preempt. That was premeditated. Like yeah, that was already. It's determined. It's yeah, it's determined. Yeah. So all I am to do is be okay with it and move on. And that sounds heartless and cold on paper, but if you truly believe that, then it's like, okay, why waste my grief and energy and all this stuff when this was already predetermined? I believe in God. I believe in nature, and we are all one. And like, uh, there's a thing that says like, um, everything was meant to happen. And so that's kind of how they. Right. So just let it happen. Yeah. It's almost like just accept it, accept the pain and accept the happiness. Because I feel like a lot of people today, like in modern days, like when you hear stoicism, you think of like lack of passion, like there's lack of ambition, you're grim, you're humorless. You have to be a man. It's it's misogynistic, right? I've, right. I've exactly. heard that. Yeah. You have to be strong and emotionless. And, you know, and actually, it's actually quite contrary because there's like the ancient world in general was not a place for women at all. Like it just really wasn't for, for philosophy. But stoicism thought that, uh, ethical excellence had no gender. 
and that they believe that women receive from the gods that same rational faculty that men, and they should study it. There's many, sto there's many stoic, like stoic teachers that, and, and, um, people that would just, just like, there was also still a lot of stoic women that would come forward too eventually, but they were like, yeah, women should definitely do this too. It's not just a men thing. And I think that's like the problem. It's like, where you get that broicism, it's like, that's the misconception. It's like, actually, it's a very all-inclusive one. Of all the religions back then, I mean, I'm not saying stoicism or religion, but all the philosophies of life, then it was actually a really good good one for that. Exactly. Yeah. And um, so it's, it's you know, act, you know, it's almost like actions are up to us, um, events are up to God. And that's kind of what they believe in. So it's like, okay, God's going to do this to me, but it's up to me to how do I process this? And there's kind of an analogy that I kind of made up to this. Um, so it's kind of almost like there's a hill, a big steep hill, and there's a, uh, a rock or a boulder, and it gets pushed off this hill, and it's rolling, 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 rolling. Um, the push is almost like God or nature's act. So that's the death in the family or the breakup or whatever happens to you. So it's like, okay, that happened. That was predetermined. That's nature. That's life. That's what they believed in. How am I going to control the role? How am I going to shape the path of this boulder that's plummeting down the hill? Sure, I could get all depressed, you know, roll up in a ball, separate from everything I love and, and reserve myself. Or I can steer this boulder on how it rolls to a positive thing of self-improvement or acceptance and all this stuff. And it's almost like, you know, um, focusing at the end of the day on your soul, like, it, like again, it sounds very cold-hearted, but that's what that's what stoicism's about. Um, and it's kind of like I don't know. It's you don't have control to the push, but you have control on the path, and that can be translated into modern-day issues. Um, you know, I I'm gonna get a little personal on some stuff that I've been through recently. I'm not gonna get too in depth in it, but. You know, I just, I went through a, a breakup about nine months ago, lived with someone. That's something where it ends, right? And and sure, I could be like, oh, that's just God's work. God knew we were going to break up and I was going to, that person was going to move out and I was going to be on my own. And it's kind of like, uh, that's how I use, when I research stoicism, I kind of translate it into how I dealt with it currently. And, um, you know, that also led to me losing some stuff in my life, like my truck and stuff that I cared about. And sure, you can get you can get all depressed and fall into this dark misery state. Oh, this and that. Or you can be like, okay, that happened, but I have the control of my downfall. You know, I have the control over this. So let me self-improve myself. Let me protect my soul. Let me um, eat better. Let me work out. You know, let me talk about it. Let me um, do all this stuff that's not going to like damage my soul. And almost like set you up for like accepting accepting this pain. Mm. And reading all about stoicism like really related to me because like I had to choose my role on the boulder when I went through this stuff in my personal life. Yeah, in your path and the yeah. yeah. And it's like like I said, you can either curl up in a ball, feel sorry for yourself, be miserable, or you can take that and fuel yourself and make something good out of it. You know, put that pain into working out, put that pain into making a podcast, talking about stuff, um, anything. And it's like, that's what I took control of. I, you know, I took the, I took the path where it's like self-improvement. Right. And, um, that's why this kind of speaks to me in a way. Um, and there's not letting little stuff get to you. Like, 
I mean, we all have that moment where someone cuts us off in traffic and we're like, oh, like it's almost like it's a personal attack. Mm-hmm. But this person like doesn't even know you. Uh, you yeah. know? Yeah. Marcus Aurelius has a quote. It's like being different to what makes no difference. You know what I mean? Like in the end, it's really, it's, it's not, it's really not. It's also, um, Epictetus is like, it's not the event. It's really a reaction to the event. Exactly. Yeah. It's not, I mean, you, you can, you can personify that and, and make that be about you. Right. Or you can just be like, yeah, that's just another asshole. You know, I, I live in Portland. So I, I just, oh, that's just another person with a stolen car on fentanyl. You know, that's how I, that's how I see that, you know, yeah. missing license plates. And yeah, that's what, that's what I see. Um, it's funny though, like with, with stoicism, like another false assumption is, uh, the Spartans were like known for like very like brief, concise, austere speech. Like they weren't talking a lot. You know, that's like people wouldn't say like, oh, he was very stoic. He was very quiet. He was very, you know, pithy. It's, it stems from a place called Laconia, which is where it's an area of Greece. That's where a lot of the Spartans came from. And we use that word laconic. Now we took that word from Laconia and that just means exactly that concise, pithy speech. So I thought that's kind of a little interesting anecdote about stoicism. Like we think of as people that aren't necessarily, you know, they're, they're not the most out there in terms of like being gregarious and, and, and full of energy and flourishing in that social sense. But it's coming from that area where the like, yeah, we just fucking kill people, man. We're Spartans, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, I, like I said, like, this is going to be considered very, uh, a philosophy that's very, like I said, again, uh, cold hearted and emotionless, but you have to kind of keep in mind to be that you have to be like highly emotionally intelligent to have the ability to detach from judgment, uh, rash decision-making negative emotions, um, and, and control impulses. Yeah. All those things we all deal with today, modern day society, impulses, anger, all this stuff can lead you down some pretty bad paths. Um, so to be stoic, it's like be calm, be virtuous, present in the moment. And uh, understand that what nature provides is kind of like, I don't know, it's almost like being one with nature. It sounds hippie, whatever, but that's what it was. Um, and focusing on your own soul. So like the goal is like, how am I going to be as a person, uh, non non-judgmental, kind, all that stuff was like, they're my priority. And it was even, so that's why I mentioned earlier in the competitors, um, how I said, uh, the peripatics or whatever, uh, the pair of tits. Yeah. Pair of tits. We'll yeah. go by that. Uh, so their main goal in utterexia was well-being and happiness and health. And that's something that um, it sounds like a good life, but that's something that the Stoics overlooked. They actually said it was indifferent to be healthy and happy because what really truly mattered was how are you as a person? You could be sick, dying, but what the most important thing to them was how do you treat people? How do you deal with your emotions? And how do you get through life pretty much without worrying about the wealth, the status and all that? It's almost like, I'm going to focus on being a better human before anything else, before wealth, before anything. I'm going to focus on my virtues of being like just a good human. And, and you know what I mean? You know what's interesting about that when you say that? It's like the byproduct is happiness. By by living that life, right? Uh, what you're saying, like following those rules and those principles, like the byproduct is you feel 
flourished is is that you feel happiness is that you feel you're living a good life because like achieving like running after happiness you're never going to find that i mean that's very fugacious and fleeting you're it's just going to go away very quickly i mean that's like the hedonic treadmill right but the fact that like being a good person and doing like having your principles laid out and you follow that daily the byproduct is that you know having having the gratitude like all that stuff you're talking about is that that goes to that goes to the the practice like that that is achieving happiness you know what i mean yeah and it's almost humbling because it's like it's almost like you're 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 giving up your status you're giving up your happiness you're giving up your health you're giving up your well-being just so you can be remembered as a good human a controlled human with controlled your impulses controlled your anger we're one with nature and that was important to you. Like you could be on your deathbed and your main priority as a stoicist was like doing all those things. Yeah. And it's just funny how different philosophies differed on what was important to them. You know, if it's materialistic, you know, or it's status mm -hmm. or all that. But it's just so humbling to have like, when you're a stoic, it's just like, okay, I'm going to focus on my soul. How am I going to leave an imprint on the earth? How are people going to remember me? Um, am I nice to people? Am I unjudgmental? Um, am I empathetic? Um, and all that stuff. And that kind of brings us to um, the four virtues. So for Socrates and Plato, um, there are four primary virtues as the cardinal values. Yeah. So these were kind of like the key stoicistic um, virtues. Um, so I'll go through that. So First, we have courage. Uh, second, we have moderation. Third, we have wisdom. And fourth, we have justice. And so this was kind of like the main structure of this philosophy. So do you want to kind of yeah. dive into that? Sure, yeah. So you said first was courage. So that's like having the ability to hold your virtues and values in the face of adversity. So in the face of adversity, you're speaking your mind and you're challenging bad ideas and you're trying to reach the truth. Uh, the second virtue is temperance or self-control or moderation. And that's just not with material goods, but having the good daily disciplines. And that helps not relying on um, fleeting pleasures at the extremes, but that's, that is the, that, that is doing the work. Um, and, and also, but also having moderation while doing the, like while doing with between verse, uh, sorry, virtue and vice. Mm. Um and justice, uh, what they also call us sympathia, is, is the belief in mutual inter interdependence among everything in the universe. So you're seeking the best for um, ourselves as well as caring for others. So to do good for ourselves and to not harm others is, is really what they meant by that. And then wisdom, which I think is probably the most important, is to kind of know where you, if you're if you're reaching the mark, if you if you know you're hitting a bullseye. And, you know, it's knowing how we should act and be concerned with um, and know what's in our control, knowing how you align with your with your values and actions and how you're being perceived as like as long as you are hitting your values and virtues and knowing that that's the most important, um, I think, of, of the four virtues. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Um, so. It's also, I've, so I've also have a quote to, um, from Marcus Aurelius. He says, as, like I said, so he was kind of like the Roman empire time. So the Roman empire kind of took over stoicism once that era came over and they took a lot of credit for stoicism and it kind of evolved with that. And so Marcus Aurelius, 
Um, he wrote a book a lot on Stoicism. So he's known for a lot of the Stoic quotes that we're kind of referring to. So one in that, uh, for the kind of the four virtues, so a quote from him is, wealth consists not in having great possessions, but in having few wants. So that's kind of like the moderation part, right? I like that quote. Yeah. Being happy where you are, um, not being materialistic, being one with nature. Um, and uh, just another interesting thing on the whole death part I mentioned earlier was, um, you know, of stoicism, it's kind of like, only care on what you can change, uh, accept death, compare it. This is kind of a quote slash, I don't know, statement for stoicism. Um, accept death and compare it to a part of nature, like a flower blooming or the change of seasons. So it's almost like we don't get mad that the seasons are changing or, or a flower's blooming. It's like an appreciation of nature, right? It's a beautiful thing. And that was what death was kind of also known as in Stoicism. It's like, okay, we're not going to be like, oh, the the caterpillar turned into the butterfly. Like, oh, I'm so mad. I'm going to be angry and grieve over this. No, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. The seasons are beautiful. Everything in nature is beautiful. So it's almost like, it's almost like they didn't have time to grieve because it was almost like acceptance of the beauty of nature. Right. We can all accept we're going to die. And that makes it so much easier, right? that that's going to happen. And so another quick little quote from Marcus referring to death, um, Marcus Aurelius is, uh, so the quote is, uh, so one should pass through this tiny fragment of time in tune with nature and leave it gladly as an olive might fall when ripe, blessing the earth which bore it and grateful to the tree which gave it growth. So that's kind of like reflecting on God giving you life, if that's what you believe in. Right. And it's like, right. I know I'm going to die. It's a beautiful thing. I'm just grateful to be here. You know? Yeah. It's it's kind of a cool, cool quote. And um, it, it makes you more in the moment, I would say. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And a lot of people are afraid of death. For sure. And I think that's like, if we're going to get to eventually some of the practices where people can actually start using um, in their in day-to-day life, I think one of the main things that a lot of the Stoics did was uh, it's, you know, we, we hear this term memento mori, memento mori, and that's just remembering that death is there. Right. And right. it's understanding that the impermanence of all things and events and understanding that what is born will die uh, to create more life. And it's the balancing of the scales, it's the balancing of life. Right. And there's a great quote. We keep, there's so many Marcus. It's called, yeah, fucking He's like, dude. He's like, you could leave life right now. Let that determine what you do and say and think. And that's that really is, I mean, at the crux of Stoicism, there's quite a few different practices. Like I have like probably eight I'll throw out there. I'm sure you got some too. Uh, but that that's one of them that I'm just like, let that decide what you do, say, and think. And I, and I think about that as like, is it worth it? You know, is it worth it to get angry? Is it worth it to have an opinion, really, on on the matter? And yeah, you know, uh, there's a couple other. I mean, there's quite a few others. Do you want to just kind of go back and forth and just tag team this thing? Yeah, I have a. Uh, let me see. I have a few quotes. Um, so this is actually from uh, Seneca. He's more of a. Uh, I think it was the Roman Empire era of this, but it was another philosopher of Stoicism. There's several. Um, yeah, yeah, I think he was a senator. Okay, yeah, yeah. Seneca. Um, so he's got some quotes. 
so we'll touch on a little bit of mental health of how we can translate this stoicism to current mental health yeah. help. Um, so this is some kind of quotes referring to that. Um, so this is from Seneca. Uh, Difficulties strengthen the mind as labor does the body. So that's a reference to working, working out, right? Yeah, mental toughness. Mental toughness, yeah. which we'll touch on here in a second. Um, another one from Seneca. To bear trials with a calm mind robs misfortune of its strength and burden. I like that one too. Which is just a very powerful quote. If you go about things with a calm mind, process them, you know, with thinking like very, what's the term? Like literal or rational, rational thinking. Yeah. Over emotional, sure. right? When we hear a bad name towards us, it's like immediate emotional defense mode. But you really rationalize that origin. It's like, you can really break it down rationally. And so that's a perfect quote for that. Um, I really like that quote. Um, and lastly, from Seneca, um, the important thing about a problem is not the solution, but the strength we gain in finding the solution. I like that one too. I'm surprised you didn't come across um, We Suffer More in Imagination Than Reality by him. I think we do that daily. Oh God, yeah, yeah, that's a big one. All the overthinking, and, yeah. yeah. That one quote I'll never forget by him. Like he's, yeah, there. So that's the great thing about a lot of this stuff. I mean, it's we're talking over two thousand years old that these quotes are still relatable today. Like we suffer more imagination than reality. Like you hear that, you're like, yeah, no shit, dude. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. What are people thinking of me? Right. I mean, oh my God, what do I think about this without that? It's yeah. like never in the moment, never and tune with nature it's always thinking about present or past yeah or, i mean future or past never present right yeah you're never yeah you're not worried about it's it's that's it's the perceived notion of you in the future that's being judged and what that can relate to um yeah i know i know we want to relate it a little bit more to uh i think maybe we can tie into the um how it affects mental health but maybe we can do some practices first and just kind of roll those out and then we can get into like how that relates to modern day stuff yeah okay yeah um so Epictetus talks about this dichotomy of control, and he says that like our voluntary actions about how we think about things and, and events, it's not the outcome of other events. So like ownership, you know, we, we put opinion and aim and desire and aversions in any of owner or any of our own affairs in a bucket of what's in control, and it's it's really interesting. Like we we have. So much, like so much of it is out of our control in life. There's external events that happen to us, but it's really our internal response to these events. What could you have really done differently? You know, you, you we might, it's that like stairwell wit, where, yeah, it's a French term where like you leave the party and like you come down the stairs, you're walking mm -hmm. back to your car and you're like, oh, I should have said this, or I would have, what if it had happened differently if this had happened or if I had done that? And it's like, well, how, what was, how did the circumstance play out to you, right? Because is, is it, did you really have any control over the event? Did you have control over someone breaking into your car? Yes or no, right? And you can kind of you can kind of take more autonomy and be a little bit more self-sufficient and self-reliant in yourself when you realize that like these things are out of my control, these things are in my control, and you can kind of take ownership of the things that are in control and and discard the things that you shouldn't worry about, which is the external events that you couldn't control. Exactly. And that's what I sorry to interrupt, but that's what I touched on with. You know, anyone's breakup, but I yeah. I refer to my breakup. Any breakup that's not in your control, that's something that you can use kind of this ideology to modern day issues. Mm -hmm. Oh, your husband or wife left you. Okay, that's not in your control, right? Because that's their decision. 
You had no say in it. You didn't want that. Oh, your truck got repoed. That's, I mean, that's kind of, you know, if you miss some payments or whatever, but um, stuff that's not in your control. You got fired or over um, a shortage of, uh, of uh, money from your company. Um, anything like that that's out of your control, you know, so a family member died, you have no control over that. Right. And it's just like, these things happen all the time to mm-hmm. everybody. And the, the fact that, like, it's just, like, less to worry about. Like, you should not worry about things that you have zero control over. You should be focusing on things that you can control, yourself, your reactions, how are you treating others, you know, all that. Right. And that's what all this stoicism touches on. And it, I mean, it, Another kind of thing, uh, quote-ish thing, it's accept joy when it comes, but also accept sadness and pain. But don't hold on to any of it when it goes away. Yeah. That's, you know, it's actually kind of funny. It's It sounds like very Buddhist, though. Like, there's a lot of overlapping between Buddhism and that, like, clinging and right. attachment to these feelings of sadness. You know, treat it like a cloud. It, it comes by, it passes by, and then it leaves. And then you got sunshine again, or it's an, a, any sort of bad event. It's, yeah, that's what I really like about how the two Eastern and Western thoughts um, kind of coalesce in that way, where it's, it, we talk about eudaimonia and ataraxia, right? Yeah. And we, and, and there, but there's a lot of that that's, uh, that relates and is very synonymous with nirvana in Buddhism. Mm. You know what I mean? Reaching that enlightened part where, you know, you are tranquil. You know, you're 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 free of suffering, you're free of rumination, and you know. And uh, another thing that I really liked was how you're talking about that is like you're looking at this thing. You know, some events that might have happened to you personally, or you're just throwing out some some ideas. Is the is the reframing of the event too that can also be very helpful. So it's um, like changing our perspective of an event. You're questioning the evidence. What could I have done differently? And you're using logic. You're putting you're putting the thought or idea on trial and using evidence to prove, you know, whether or not it's, it's true or not, right. Whether or not it's a, it's a, it's an axiom. Um, and you're using that to disprove the bad thoughts and you're using that to prove the good thoughts or vice versa. Exactly. Yeah. And you can correct, you can correct your incorrect view of something by doing that. Exactly. And, um, this is, we're going to touch on mental health real quick on, um, how this can kind of play into modern day mental health. Um, but something that, this is the kind of story that happened last week to me. I just want to mention real quick. Uh, so I was at the deli at our local Safeway. We'll say Safeway. Um, and, dude, I was, so I was at the deli. I'm ordering a, um, I think it was a, a panini, like a panini uh, sandwich. Havarti turkey panini. It's on the menu. It's a pre-order thing. And I went up to the deli guy. He's a young kid. He looked kind of frazzled, so I said, hey, I just want the number six. It's like a turkey panini. It's a pre-made thing. And he says, oh, what do you want? I said, just whatever the on the menu, whatever it is, like a, like a Subway pre-made thing. Yeah. And so he kind of comes to me. He's like, oh, we're out of, um, for, he goes in the back, and he comes back out, and he's like, oh, we're out of panini bread or whatever the bread is. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, and I'm like, okay. So naturally, it's like that's already a thing that's like, anyone's going to be like mad about right it's like oh my bread's not here i'm just going to walk away or order something else right so i'm like i was so like in the moment i'm like i'm just going to go with this so he says oh do you want white bread or or this wheat bread we have i said i'll, I'll go with this um wheat granny bread whatever okay so he's like oh. so that was like my first like 
I don't know, like first um, thing I had to get over, right? It's right. like, okay, shit, I want this sandwich. It's already not going my way, but I'm going to kind of maintain and stand here, and I'm going to just make the best of this. Um, so he's like making this sandwich, and then he's like, oh, we don't have any um, uh, tomatoes, and we don't have any of the ranch sauce that comes with it. I'm like, oh, fuck. So just like, okay, and I'm just like, I'm going with it. I'm like, okay, you know what? That's fine. I said, I'll have, I'll have the Cajun sauce and all this stuff. And so I'm just kind of going with it because I'm so in the moment of like, I don't want to like make this young kid feel like I'm just like pissed at him and walk away. Because I was like so in the moment, I just didn't want to like fuck his day up because he looked so like eager to make me the sandwich and like, and like satisfy what I wanted on it. And so I was just going with it. And so what, there's no tomato. He runs out of the deli. Goes to the produce section across the store and grabs a fresh tomato for me. And that right there was like, I like draw me so into this. I'm like, I'm invested. Like this guy ran to the produce for me, grabbed me a tomato. I'm not going to leave and be an asshole to this guy. Right. And there's a guy behind me who's like in line. He's just like, oh, he's just so getting angry because it's taking so long. And I kind of look at him and I'm just like thinking to myself, like, I'm so present and this guy's not. Right. This guy's just pissed that it's taking so long. He's not appreciative of this guy, this guy's efforts to make this sandwich perfect for me based on the lack of ingredients. So I'm just happy at this moment of like, this guy's putting in all this effort for me. And I'm looking behind me at this crouchy old guy in line who's just like, you know, like, ah, oh, I'm patient. And I'm just enjoying this. Like, I don't even care it's taking forever because it's almost like a beautiful creation. And I'm watching this guy. He's building this sandwich. He's getting all passionate about it. I can just tell he's so invested in this sandwich, and I'm just letting it ride. And um, even at gets have to get an onion. He has to get an onion too. So he gets a tomato from the produce, and then an onion, freshly diced, puts it all in the sandwich. And the only thing that was that they, he had in stock was the turkey and the Havarti cheese in this whole sandwich. Jared Fogel taught these. Taught these kids well making these sandwiches. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He uh he, he sure had the resources for that. Um, so yeah, I mean, anyways, that's just a little story of a recent experience I had where it was funny because that was actually the day I started researching stoicism. And it's just funny how I aligned myself. I'm like, oh, this kind of reminds me of like what it's like to be stoic. Like in the moment, you're not letting your negative emotions get the best of you. You're a little inconvenienced, but you're like, okay, I mean, this is this. Like, he doesn't have the bread. He doesn't have this, doesn't have that. And he's making the best of it. And those were predetermined outliners. And it's like, how are you going to react to it? Are you going to walk away and now you're going to be out of sandwich? You know, you're going to be hungry and angry? Or are you going to sit there and, you know, just experience this whole thing and uh, go with it? And uh, that's what I did. And I'm pretty glad I did. And we handed it to me after like 20 minutes of this ordeal. He hands it to me and I make it known to him. I'm like, hey man, like I really appreciated all the effort and time you put in this sandwich. Like I can tell you were flustered. You didn't have any of the ingredients, but you made it out and it worked all well. So I really appreciated that. He's like, oh, thank you, man. This has been a hard day. And dude, that sandwich was fucking amazing. <laughs> nice. It was so good. Uh, love it. So I guess what that guy experiencing behind you would have been anger. Uh, temporary madness, Seneca would say. Uh, where you're not in control and you're finding, um, like, you aren't in control, but, like, you're able at least to find it in a way to appreciate it. But, like, there's also people that can use storytell storytelling or comedic framing to, like, get themselves out of, like, an angry situation. Had that guy been like, 
a what the fuck. They're out of everything. Like, and he could have made it. Like, that's another thing that they talk about is like controlling anger. Marcus Aurelius, Seneca, they all talk about that too. So yeah, and I actually, I actually had to um, reflect on myself because I feel like the old me would have just been like, ah, oh, fuck, whatever. I walk, I walk, walk away, get a, like a frozen meal, and and let that kind of anger me almost. And I recognize that. Like, I had a split second to recognize that. And I'm like, oh. My blood pressure just raised. I'm getting a little angry. He doesn't have any of this stuff, but I'm going to stand here and work through it with him. And that was like really cool for me because it like reflected on my own emotional um, resilience to overcome those hardships. Yeah, I love it. And that can be, you can play that in any, anything, uh, any hardship during your modern day, like day to day stuff. This doesn't have to be specific to anything. You can translate to, translate this to like a lot of um, hardships, even the littlest things like a sandwich. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you wanted to get into mental health stuff? Is that what you want to do next? Yeah. Yeah. So let's see here. It's also Christmas. So Merry Christmas, listeners. Merry Christmas. We may or may not have started this on Christmas Eve and finished on Christmas Day. Yeah. It happens. <laughs> it happens. So we're a little bit uh, sobered up again. So let's dive back into this. Um so, yes, mental health um, plays plays a big... So, stoicism plays a big role in mental health in modern-day counseling, therapy, treatment, self-care. Um, so, you know, obviously, we talked about this remaining common adversity, finding a way forward when faced with obstacles, and then, um, you know, finding a way to live that helps foster an immunity to letting external events erode your peace of mind and if you really boil that down that's exactly what that story i shared about was about um keep keeping your inner peace and tranquility with your pretty much in the moment senses what are you feeling hearing smelling sensing a lot of people overlook that and aren't grateful for that they have no gratitude day to day you know oh, i'm feeling no pain today or this and that um oh it's oh the sandwich isn't done oh i'm pissed or Oh, I don't have the car I want or, you know, stuff that doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Um, so in mental health aspects, um, this builds emotional resilience. So like I said before, understanding and managing your emotions so you can enjoy a more balanced and content life and understanding and accepting you can't control everything. Embrace uncertainty. So that's like anxiety and wondering and overthinking. People do it a lot. I sure do that a lot. Thinking of the unknowns, you know, you're laying in bed, your your mind's racing, thinking in the future, in the past. Uh, but embrace that uncertainty. Understand that you don't have control on a lot of things that are about to come. So just be accepted, accepting of that. Um, and then, you know, focus on your responses to things um, like emotional responses. Uh, and so... That's just going to give you more self-control overall to better cope with future setbacks. And uh, you can you can get into some mental spirals with some tough adversity and really get in some dark places. But, you know, some of these some of these tactics will help with that, uh, especially anxiety. Also, just uh, mental clarity, uh, worrying less about stuff that you know, it's like I said before, out of your control, but a lot of people worry about unnecessary worries. Um, and that's going to hinder your like proactiveness and day-to-day uh, routines um, because you're going to be so out of the moment 
you're going to be in another realm of just, what if this happens? What if that happens? Oh, I should have done that differently. Oh, what does that person think of me? Oh, what does that person think of what I'm wearing today? Literally, all of that's like indifferent for stoicism. It's none of that matters, your status, nothing matters because none of that reflects on who you are, your soul. And that's the only thing that you should be polishing uh, according to stoicism. Um, Also, um, another one is um, if you're in a relationship, a friendship or a um, intimate relationship, it's also going to help you in that regard um, to have a better relationship. So it's going to teach you kind of understanding, empathy, you know, fairness and acceptance, you know, and that emotional control is going to help with your partner, you know, for fights or disagreements, right? We're all going to have them. Um, So understanding that that's going to come and, um, you know, that's going to be something that's going to formulate a connection stronger between the two, I think, in a friendship or relationship, Um, having the ability to approach conflicts with a reason with reason and empathy to kind of resolve disputes, if that makes sense. Logically. Absolutely. And not emotionally. Yeah. And uh, so to kind of give you guys, just to round out here and and give you guys like actual practices that would be concrete you could do every day would be, we we touched on it earlier, but the dichotomy of control, just looking at if things are in your control and if they're not, and then act accordingly. We talked about reframing events. So you know, put a comedic lens on the situation, not person, you know, make it a personalization and I'm making it be a specific tack against you. Uh, there's also, we talked about anger and managing anger and that can, that will bleed over negatively to other relationships that why I was talking about, or Lewis, I'm sorry, whatever your name is these days. Lewis uh, Farley. Lewis Farley. Yeah. Uh, and then self-denial is one of those things where we talk about with, uh, it's, it's, you know, we, without like, you, you can get into a very specific thing of, a harsh training to appreciate what you have. So like cold showers, you know, maybe you do no social media, sleeping on the floor, tough workout, any adversity, maybe it's a tough book, eating rice for a day. I wrote down as well as another idea. If you ever want to do that rice for a day, just the whole day, don't Jesus telling yourself no. Uh, so anything that disrupts your modern comforts can help grow that strength and resilience. And we touched on it earlier. A few of the ones I really found to be helpful was negative visualization i think it gets a bad rap but uh the stoics called it premeditatio malorum which is going over events and how they could go wrong but coming up with like a plan b or a new game plan and preparing entropy to be just a part of your day and finding out you know uh like let's say you got to get to work on time and you're are dealing with rude people just assume in the morning that those things are going to happen and just have already like a plan of action to deal with it when it does um, and not take it personally. And not take it personally. Yeah, because I guarantee you they're not going to know your character, who you are, when they cut you off and flip you off. It's not going to be a personal attack. They don't know if you're paying your taxes. They know. They don't know if you're walking your grandma across the street. Fuck those guys. Uh, we talked about Memento Mori earlier. I know earlier in the podcast with uh, remembering that death is there for all of us. Uh, but you're also talking about exercising gratefulness and gratitude. So wanting less increases gratitude. Otherwise, we'll be on a spiral of hedonic adaptation and relinquishing that pursuit of more instead of being present in the here and now. Like that's that's what hedonic adaptation is. If you're, I mean, you have to find that relationship with yourself where it's like knowing you have enough and don't keep chasing the dragon. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's hard to do with today with social media marketing constant in your face. Bye 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 bye. Especially on the holidays, it's insane. 
Um, and it's, it's kind of falls back on the, um, old philosophy of your pleasure is materialist stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's, and I feel like if that's how you think, that's a more of your ideology of like, okay, I get pleasure in buying stuff, having all this cool, fancy stuff, but that person may be lacking emotional control. They might be lacking being in the moment. They not might not be happy with themselves. They might not treat others well. So it's like, what's more important to you, you know, having all that or just being a good human to yourself and others, um, you know, and appreciating everything. But there's a new video game console coming out this year. <laughs> God. That's right. <laughs> um, so the last thing I want to say is, is uh, yeah, the last thing I want to say is uh, as far as like the practices, we, we've given you quite a few, but uh, journaling and reflection time, I think is probably going to be the biggest one. Reviewing the day, going over the four virtues or vices that you're trying to keep track of, uh, or, you know, reducing all you know, the bad things, increasing the good things. So, uh, you know, how did you live up to your standards at the end of the day? So re reflection time, writing things out, it could be a mood journal, it could be a tracker of any sort of habit you're doing i find that very beneficial even in the morning you could do that in the evening but uh some benefits of journaling i'll just give you a quick uh few here but for harvard business school the participants who journaled at the end of the day had a 25 percent increase in performance when compared with a control group that did not another uh study with at cambridge university found journaling improving well-being after traumatic and stressful events stanford there's a critical relationship between writing and speaking. Therefore, writing reflects clear thinking and in turn, clear communication. Yeah, so it can help sleep by getting down any rumination on paper. kind of gives you that distance between your thoughts and reality. And just if you get that elsewhere and not have it take up real estate in your mind, it really helps out with all those things. Um, but yeah, that's that's the last little practice I want to say about. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and, and that also teaches you to be self-aware. Of these things, like even talking to a counselor, being talking about it helps. Um, being aware of what's going on, working through stuff instead of bottling it away and seeking pleasure or, um, you know, uh, impulses to do other stuff like drug use, alcohol, use, all that stuff. Uh, controllable impulses, and that stoicism talks about that too. Of how to control those almost like devilish impulses of pleasure and the easy way out, the easy fix, the easy pleasure, not like working on your own self. And last thing to wrap this up, it that includes voluntary hardship. So, and you mentioned a little bit that the cold showers, people do that in the morning, start the day out. I've actually started to do that in the last minute of a shower. I just turn to cold, stand there when you're done and just soak in and it sucks. Yeah. But you know, if you start the day out like that, that might be the worst part of your day. So it's like nothing can get worse than that, right? It's almost like things just feel better when you get out of the shower because it's like, I'm out of that coldness. You're doing a minute now? Yeah, I do a minute. That's that's baldy. It's so hard, dude. Like, I, like, I'm clenching. I almost have to scream. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like almost like a release of just, like, pure adrenaline. Yeah. But I just, I clench. I help, really. I flex and just kind of just, like, grimace. I'm just like, ah. But then when you get out, it's just like, ah, oh, it's just, like, refreshing. Go do that Wim Hof breathing in there. Is that the two intakes? Like the uh, well, that's the um, that's the double uh, double inhale. Yeah, the double. That's not what that is. The Wim Hof is 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 uh, essentially the uh, Kundalini method where you're just kind of panting the, like you're doing oh, yeah, and yeah. you're heating up your core temperature. Yeah. That uh, helps out a lot. And I'd look at the Wim Hof method too if you're going to do cold showers because that like to do a minute that's that's pretty ballsy. I mean, it's it's tough. It, it asks us how it, like breathes brings on more mental toughness throughout the day because it's like if okay, that was if I could get through that. I can get through. Well, you're not thick. 
yeah. line or anything. You're also helping out with yeah. neurotransmitters too. So you're getting a lot of dopamine, epinephrine. Uh, what else is there? There's a there's a few hormones that release naturally by doing that. Too. Yeah, no, there's yeah. been studies of people that do that, and in about an hour or two, you have like a massive. It's like a slow dopamine climb on oh, yeah. an instant. Right. So you'll get out of the shower after that coldness, and about an hour or two, your dopamine will actually be uh, raising throughout the day, just based on that cold plunge. Yeah. Or a cold, you know, a cold shower, cold plunge, whatever. So you actually be first couple hours hours of the day like elevated. And you might not know why, but from that. Yeah, your mood's definitely, I could definitely say your mood's a little better. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, so for the Stoics, uh, that's another thing that they practiced. And something they believed in was the easiest way is rarely the most fulfilling. Um, so, like I said, the devilish impulses and, and pleasures. Um, and so voluntary hardship challenges us to propel ourselves forward under our own power and embrace discomfort. So doing this contradicts society's obsession with immediate pleasure or gratification, um, which is kind of what's easy with social media, you know, swipe, 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 dopamine, 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 TikTok, Instagram, everything's getting shorter and shorter and shorter, marketing, commercials, it's this little snippet. And you're not working for it. No, you just look at yeah. swipe, swipe, swipe. Yeah. Um, so, you know, people with mainly live in um, fear of the slightest discomfort or inconvenience is more of a modern thing because it's like everything's getting so easy now. Um, but if you build resiliency, the more you push yourself to the point of discomfort and staying there, like the minute in the shower, staying there uncomfortable, um, it's just like working out. It builds mental endurance. So just like if you're uncomfortable on the bench press, you're going to push, 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 but you're going to build that physical endurance. This is like a mental push. Mm. Um, so if you can handle a wider... Um, range of potential scenarios that everyday annoyances and inconveniences you know bring it begins to feel less disruptive if that makes sense you know well you're already accounting for it right like yeah yeah you're already the mental for you it's not really even a measure of your strength it's more just like expect these things to happen and how you respond to them is really the the answer right yeah and that might be a little far-fetched to believe i mean you can take bits and pieces of this i'm not sure if i fully believe that every single thing that happens was in line to happen preloaded right. right but that's what the stoics believe they said that god and nature and all of us are one so whether you not believe in god or not you could say nature if you don't believe in god you could say hey nature has everything aligned so every thing that happens to you nature has already decided it's good or the cosmos or the cosmos yeah, whatever stars yeah. the universe and the the trees anything because we're all one according to stoicism and that's almost I'm not sure if I quietly believe that. I mean, obviously, you can make things happen to you on your own, on your own decisions. Mm. But I do think a lot of things aren't in your control that happen to you. Right. But that's not saying everything is out of your control. But the things that are is what we should practice this on. Yeah. As our response to those things. Yeah, I think I, I think I share a similar sentiment with that. Because it's like if everything was predestined and these hardships were there and your response to it or was or not to it, that was already predetermined, so you're not really taking agency. That's why that's why I differ from like that popular Stoic opinion about how it's all set up. Because then it's like theistic determination and almost theistic nihilism, where it's like if it's already all set up, then how does it? What does it matter of my response to it if it's already been predetermined? Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the the secular view. That's the thing I was talking about earlier with how it's kind of related to Buddhism. Is that that that's their similar view view too? Is that we're all one, but you also have to take responsibility i think stoicism is one of those things where 
it's a very active, it's active and passive at the same time. It's like you're actively doing these practices, but you're also reflecting and making sure that you're not being too active in pursuing the wrong things in life. And it's it, it's it's very interesting how that is, that duality. Yeah. And obviously a decision, you know, you do a crime, you go to jail. That's not like a preemptive thing because you went out of your way to do that. It wasn't a natured cause. Thing. Right. Or your, your, your wife leaves you, but you cheated on her. So it's like you chose that path. It's it's We're talking about more things that there's no control, like death, random death. Right. Random events. Oh, you you went out to your car and all the all the uh, tires were blown out. Yeah, natural disaster. Natural disaster. Yeah. It's like okay, how do you do all that? Not we're not saying you know oh I'm gonna do this and you know do a bad thing today and just say oh well nature intended for me to do this today. It's like no, that's what we're saying. That's definitely the easy way out. That's yeah, that's the easy way out. Yeah. That's how you can make an excuse to do bad things. It's like well, nature said I was gonna be a bad guy. It's like no, you're out going out really choosing these things. This is more about day-to-day life disruptances yeah and um so i think everyone can take a little piece out of this podcast hopefully today and um if you're interested in further reading it you know look into some books do you have any books to plug yeah i do thanks for asking yeah. um so i got a few i got a few plugs here so uh as far as podcasts go i like the stoicism on fire podcast that's a little bit of a deeper dive into a lot of the stuff and he also takes that sort of everything is one approach so just kind of take Take it with a grain of salt. I mean, you can find a secular lens to put on it, and I still appreciate it. But he does like a really good deep dive into like stoicism and and, and how it's changed over all the years. Mm. And so yeah, that was stoicism on fire. And then the Daily Stoic's pretty good. I feel like that's a good introductory way to get into stoicism. They do daily meditations. That's that is a uh, just a quick little excerpt or quip from a stoic, and then they expand on that a little bit. Uh, as far as books go, I really liked William B. Irvine's A Guide to the Good Life. I feel like there's a lot of a lot of information you can gather and put that into your and integrate that into your life. The other one is Marcus Aurelius Meditations. And the last book is Donald Robertson, How to Think Like a Roman Emperor. Mm. And that's a that's Marcus Aurelius as well. A little bit of biography, yeah. a little bit of what he had to deal with. But yeah, those are those are solid recommendations. The Roman Empire took a lot of credit for Stoicism because that's what most of our things that were saved over time was from the Roman Empire. Right. So that's when it got really popular and a lot of people like Marcus Aurelius is popular because of that. Um, but if you want to take a real deep dive, we talked about the origin of all this, but like the Roman Empire kind of made this more popular when they took it over. Yeah, Stoicism would have only been around for maybe 200 years for the like Greeks and before the Romans came in like 146 BCE. Yeah. And then that's and that's then order. like a lot of the guys we see after it's largely Roman um uh Roman Stoics because yeah, they they burned a lot of the other stuff and kind of took took over. So, yeah, can me that book the um Righteous Mind. That's a my plug. So. Yeah, absolutely. For my book plug, I just read this book. I read it about once a year just to get familiar with it. So, it's the righteous it's called The Righteous Mind. And it's why why good people are divided by politics and religion, by Jonathan Haidt. Um, so this book I love because it doesn't really play into stoicism, but it plays on how to accept religion and where people come from, and their beliefs and why they believe it, and like morals, like right from wrong, and why all people from around the world think right from wrong is different from you. Um, so it's just an interesting to get perspective because stoicism had a lot of neighboring schools, philosophy schools that contradicted stoicism so it's interesting to study those schools and see how they were come where they're coming from right on their perspective so this book's good on that capturing perspective it kind of opens your mind up to things 
to be more accepting of you know people around the world and different beliefs um so that's a really good book to plug um they also talk about a little bit about self-control on your reactions to emotional responses in that book um real quick the author has a little kind of a thing he says where your mind is like a rider on an elephant do you remember that yeah where you're the rider an elephant is like your primitive brain with primitive instincts of like reactions, like caveman reactions, yep. like anger, rage, sadness, or fleeing or fighting. And the rider is your consciousness kind of guiding and pulling back on the reins of that big elephant and making sure the elephant doesn't trample or stampede anything you don't want to. And you're kind of in guidance. So I really like that. Um, That's he, a great analogy. It's a great analogy. Yeah. It's like you're in control of your primitive mind because of our self-awareness and 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 emotional resiliency really yeah we're the writer on this big beast of a mind which it is and speaking of jonathan Haidt, read uh, uh happiness hypothesis that's another book of his and it goes over there are some stoic quotes and uh they ex uh, expand on that and also some buddhist quotes in there too which again there's some good overlap between the two so yeah we got i think uh how amount of plugs out there feel good about this yeah let's uh, let's wrap this up this was a good one i'm glad we can kind of come together and pour our minds into this we did our both you know, research on this. So I, hopefully someone learned something today. I know this is kind of a shallow dive on this. Well, we kind of went into some stuff, but if you want to take deeper dives, definitely uh, hit up those books that you plugged up, you plugged. Yeah, this is the baby pool. If you guys want to get into eight foot deep pool, you know, yeah. it's out there. It's a good introduction. Yeah, yeah. a lesson. So we're going to wrap this up. This is our third episode of the podcast. I uh, hope to have Jared back for another guest sometime. And uh, he's flexing his guns on us right now. Guys, Jeez. watch out. Come Luckily, there's no cameras in I'm coming back for y'all. All right, guys. So uh, stay tuned. Do the Q&As. Uh, ask questions in the Q&A section on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And we are signing out.